everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast with Key and Pierre. This is our sixth episode. Yep, let go. <laughs> we are excited about sharing this journey with you guys. Um, let's get into it. How, how are you doing today, Key? How's everything? I'm sick. I think my, my cold is getting worse. So um, I'm sorry, guys. So throughout the podcast, I may be coughing and it may be hard for me to decipher what I'm actually saying, but trying to get better i have some tea i've been taking some medicine i'm trying to knock this cold out what about you i'm doing great and don't worry I, i'll give you the tlc to make you feel better we'll, we'll get you fixed right up but yeah, I need that. yes so to start it off there were some interesting comments made by tyrese who i love in all his movies shout out to baby boy all 25 fast and the furiouses <laughs> But 25 is an understatement. I like him too as an actor. Yeah, he's the man. But I'm just going to jump right into They're it. He's a singer. Let's not forget that. Oh, damn. Mm. Um, R&B tip. Yeah. I'm act- I feel a type of way that I didn't even mention that first. Like, He's like kind of like my spirit R&B singer. <laughs> but I'm not going to get into that now. Maybe for another episode. But um, yeah, so this is the quote from Tyrese. And this was in regard to him saying that women look like manufactured clowns. Wow. Hashtag harsh. (laughs) Um, We know when you got little chicken legs and it leads to an oversized fake ass. You guys are really starting to go too far with manufactured beauty, fake lips, skinny noses, barely can even through your own, uh, barely can even breathe through your own nostrils sitting across from you and you couldn't even hide your weave tracks. Come on, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just sending a message that us real men see the bullshit. And if he decide to rock with you, it's just because they want to get off. No one will ever take you seriously like that or really make that move. End quote. Damn, that was a that was a mouthful. So I see the look on your face. I think I'm just let you tackle this one first. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, manufactured clowns, though? Yeah. Like, bruh. Damn. It's deep? Um, I don't... This is the thing. Um, I think what he said is problematic on many levels, and some females have come out through social media and kind of went off on him in regards to what he said. And um, my stance on it is I am not a fan of plastic surgery, um, but I do understand... But I do not judge and criticize women that partake in those activities. Um, It is not my place to tell another woman how she should carry herself and dictate her self-esteem. I see it like this. The reality is we live in a patriarchal society. Oftentimes we say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I always question that. When I've heard that saying growing up, I'm like, beauty in the eye of the beholder. What does that mean? Who's the beholder? And over the years I've come to realize, and how I see it, is that the beholder is men in a sense, in the world that we live in. Because men kind of define beauty standards and then women kind of fall in line to what it should be. Not all women, some are majority. And I do see this plastic surgery phenomenon happening. Big lips, big butt, big thighs, um, all of these things that's taking place, which I find to be interesting because growing up as a black woman, the stuff that we were critique about was not considered beautiful, big lips, you know, big butt, thighs that, you know, figure eight shape. Now I see other females trying to promote that imagery, um, especially to some extent white women. And I just find it to be interesting that now that there's certain parts of our bodies that in some aspects has been dehumanized, it's currently being praised, but it's only praised when other women are doing it. Um, I see it like this. I think that women who partake in that, it's their prerogative, it's their body, it's what they want to do. It is not my place or Tyrese's place or any other person's place to tell them you should not be doing that. If that's what you consider beauty to be and that's what you define beautiful as, then go ahead, do what you want to do. If you want to spend money and get plastic surgery, it is your life, it's your prerogative. My only concern is when women partake in those activities is your self-esteem level. You know, are you fully confident in how you are and how you look for you to actually go around and get those surgeries? <clears throat> and like I said, I'm not judging them. But I always bring it back to that, like, in terms of your self-esteem and your core, like, what is the purpose of you doing it? What is the point of you doing it? So to me, um, I think that for a woman who want to do that, you go right ahead. 
And I just don't feel like what he said was a bit harsh. A bit harsh is an understatement. And I don't think it's a man's place to really try to dehumanize a woman for what she wants to get done and make herself look beautiful. There are some women who get plastic surgery because they are trying to, you know, be followers in society and fall in line with what other women are doing. And there's some women who are doing it because they're trying to build their self-confidence. So, you know, we don't really know people's reasons or their motives behind it, so we shouldn't be judging. And if I want to take it a step further, because, you know, since he's a part of R&B and a whole kind of hip-hop realm to some extent, you know, if you want to talk about beauty politics, look at the videos. Growing up, I'm a hip-hop head. Always have been, always will be. And, you know, growing up, you see a particular kind of beauty in these videos. Light-skinned women are very prevalent. You barely ever see a dark-skinned chick. And if it's, it's be that one, that one dark-skinned <laughs> chick you see in the background of that one, like, oh, my God, you rarely ever see a woman with natural hair. And if it is, it's like that silky, nice, curly hair. It ain't that real tight coil, you know, tight four. My, my natural hair sisters know what I'm talking about in regards to that. I'm talking about that snapback curl. You pull it snap back to your roots. You don't see them in videos. So if you as a man going to critique and criticize women getting plastic surgery, you need to discuss the fact that you kind of promote that in some aspects because in your videos, you are have a woman that may wear weave, may have plastic surgery, may have got breast implants. And what does that say about you? You really ever see um, a woman with natural physique being praised in, in videos. So I don't think that you it, it's his place or anyone else to critique that one or several women who want to get plastic surgery. But we need to kind of question the system that's put in place that there's only one kind of beauty and why is it that when it comes time that a woman actually want to do something and build up her confidence she's being critiqued about it instead of you actually deconstructing what's going on in society and how we uh, how we view how we view beauty politics what is your take on it and what he said uh, i'm sorry i went off on a little bit but you know bringing no, it back all good honestly i hmm I really don't care when it comes to like plastic surgery. If I'm meeting someone and they've had plastic surgery done, I think like it's everyone's life to do and do whatever you want with your body. I can't tell you that what you're doing is right or wrong because if you're going to talk about getting going under the knife for plastic surgery, then you can just attack people for literally anything that they do to their body, whether it's eating, not getting enough sleep, not exercising. So for the most part, that people who get plastic surgery, that doesn't bother me and I'm not judging them. But if I'm going to just be completely honest, like if I have friends or family and they ask me my opinion on whether or not they should do it, I probably would say no. I, I would... I'm more along the school of thought like, listen, this is your body. This is what you were given and you should just embrace it, love it and just have that self-esteem and that confidence. And a lot of times I feel like people and I can't speak for everyone, but I would assume that people would go and get plastic surgery to make them feel better about themselves or some area that they feel like they might be lacking in. But I just... Again, I've never experienced it, and I don't know people, I don't know anyone personally who's had any done that I'm close with, but I just feel a lot of times we chase after things, and then once we get it, it's like, oh, that didn't really do what I thought it was going to do, and that'll just open the door for more things for me to complain about and want to have to change. But one thing I do want to say, I feel like, I don't think it's a guy versus women thing. Because there are men who get plastic surgery as well. Like, there are guys apparently getting breast implants nowadays to make their pecs look bigger and getting calves implants to make their calves look bigger or doing, like, liposuction to get that last two abs at the bottom. Like, so I don't think it's a men versus woman thing. I think it's just a society thing and about just portraying that perfect image that perfect physique that we're all just trying to chase after from the media just but i think with women i do see that there are men who are getting surgery but i don't think the numbers are more prevalent than women who are doing it and the reason why i state that for me primarily is because like the way you know women are objectified in the media 
terms of our bodies and stuff like that in some aspects and even when you see ads like women are being objectified you know they're being either compared to an animal being considered wild savagery um something along those lines like if you look at a particular ad like a perfume ad or something along those lines and if you see like an animal in it some aspects is being related to a woman you kind of have to look at it a little deeper and i understand it more because when I was in college, I took a lot of feminist studies and we kind of just critique and analyze like those imageries and how they're so prevalent. So I, I don't think, I do, I, to some extent I see where you're going with it, that it's not male versus woman, but I don't, I think on a woman's side, I think it's a it's way more women who are partaking in, in plastic surgery and who are getting enhancements done. And I always question at the end of the day, what is the basis of us doing it? You know, when in terms of body politics, especially years ago till now, it's like this European ideology of what beauty is supposed to be. But at the same time, who promotes that kind of beauty heavily? And like in the context of hip hop, who is behind, who's the driving force behind hip hop? It's a male dominated culture. So if it's not male versus female, and that's not what y'all encouraging, why is it that's being encouraged in your videos? I don't see no chicken videos that have a small chest and ain't got no butts and ain't got much going on like they, they're not voluptuous they don't have a figure eight shape you know they don't have something more to bring to the table so i get what you're saying uh -huh. but reality is and i feel as if that in some aspect men are promoting that kind of imagery but now that women are actually falling in line and doing it it's like now it's too many of y'all so it was cool when it was five ten maybe fifteen but now it's like a whole population or if not a majority it's like oh too many y'all not you're not real but then you got to define what does real mean you know what I'm saying? So I get what you're saying, but I don't necessarily think that it's a male. It's it's not that male don't have an influence. I think men do have an influence in that. I think if we lived in a culture where men promote women with small chest, no butt, like natural hair, kinky hair, like literally if you promoted that imagery, how many women will fall in line and want to be that? Like I, I just think on the flip side, to play devil advocate, like if we were saying you have a small top, you ain't got no hips, you ain't got no thighs, you ain't got nothing to you, and you got nice you have well the, the, how we want to define nice but you have kinky hair and you have natural hair and say if that was the image we were promoting as beautiful that was the ultimate ultimate that was like the epitome of being beautiful how many women will fall in line to want to fit that imagery after a while probably a lot okay yeah and why is that because men promoted that i don't i don't think it's men promoted i just think it's it's just culture and I get where you're coming from. Like men, you could say it's a patriarchal society. So what men believe in our thoughts might have a larger effect on culture. But I feel like you got to look at it. Well, I look at it from the science aspect of it because I'm like nerdy. And in nature, <laughs> seriously, like in nature, when a guy sees a woman that's voluptuous, so she has big breasts and big hips, those are just signs that, that woman is good for bearing children. And that's one of the things that life is all about, reproduction. That's why sex is so big for us. Even though nowadays sex is more casual and we do it more for pleasure, at the end of the day, our cells, our DNA, like down to the core, it's all about reproducing and going, being able to pass that information on to future generations. So when you see a woman with big hips, again, that, that automatically even if we don't think about it, subconsciously, it's... But there are women that don't have big hips and they could bear children. But that, again, I'm not saying that... <laughs> some guys like more shape. Some guys like girls who are more slim, whatever the case may be. But just in my own... Just doing research and just being interested in just like the psychology behind sex and human nature, like those are some of the markers that indicate that you're just going to be better for feeding children when it comes to breast milk or just being able to manage a pregnancy and going through it and going through it without any complications. So, listen, you could attack Mother Nature on this topic as well, too, because that's just... I'm not attacking Mother Nature, but not every guy's <laughs> going to look at a chicken and be like, she's voluptuous, I want to have my baby. That's I... not the first thing. It's going to be like, she's voluptuous, she got ass, she got tits. Oh, I want to get with that. You know what I'm saying? But I get what you're saying. I guess for me, if more men 
actually okay so Tyrese came out with this commentary mm-hmm. I don't recall men attacking him saying that's not cool yeah I see men stand in line and say yo I, I really believe I feel like if men played a position in actually these discussions and say this is how I feel and yeah. that's not okay for you to make that kind of commentary or you know through you know music and everything of that sort through hip hop once again I use that as an example if that's how y'all really feel and you feel like you don't really have that much of an effect on it then you should promote other forms of beauty as well and be encouraging but the fact that you're silent and you're not and being submissive in certain aspects in terms of promoting one type of beauty, it kind of, you kind of set the tone of what you want. Yeah. So, um, to some extent, I do understand what you're saying, but at the same time, from my, I guess I'm looking at it from a more of a feminist ideology of it, and I see it a little differently and how I understood um, images and representation of how women is perceived in society and in culture. I do think there is, there's a patriarchal influence on that. Um, and also just to kind of get a little deeper with it, like, and where I'm coming from with that, because I know people are like, where's she getting all of this? So, like, growing up, because this kind of hits home for me a little bit. Growing up, if anybody knows me and see me, I have a small top. I have thighs, I have butt. It's cool. But I have a small top, and meaning breast. And, you know, growing up, I was insecure about that. I was just like, I was like, I'm going to get breast implants when I get money someday. Um... I had the privilege of going to college, of course, and I came across feminist studies, which has changed my whole entire worldview and made my life better. And when I declare myself as a black feminist and in those courses, one of them, we kind of deconstructed the whole concept behind body politics and why women feel the need to get these kind of um, enhancements and things done to their body. Kind of that's what we tied it back to us being in a patriarchal society and kind of made those um made the connections there and when I got that exposure to you know readings and kind of being able to analyze and decipher the imageries that I seen I had a I had a like an aha moment where I was just like I don't want to get breast implants I love myself the way I am I mean there's some days I'm like uh, and there's other days where you know I love myself even more and I think it's just a matter of you being human and stuff and you go through the motions but I'm in a position in my life, I was like, I don't want to get that. I don't want to get breast implants. I don't want to get enhancements because I'm content with the way God made me. And, you know, um, I'm really happy with the way I came out. And, you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and look at my body and I'm just like, wow, like I'm really in awe of how I look. Then opposed to when I was younger and I felt indifferent to that. So, you know, I wish there was some woman, I'm not, I'm sure there's some woman out there that probably felt the same way as me. And at one point in their life, they had a moment where they just like, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to go through surgery. I'm going to be comfortable in my own skin because there's, and my mother always used to tell me, you know, you shouldn't complain about what you don't have because there's probably someone out there that's complaining about what you complain and saying that they want what you have. You know, luckily I have thighs and I have hips and butts or whatever. And there may be women out there that may lack those things and they may want that, you know, so I take it in strides, but I just want to share that because I'm not sure if that's going to affect one of our views or anything of that sort. But just to kind of tie it back in terms of um, my take on it and getting plastic surgery. And I just feel like there was times where I may have had low self-esteem, but now I'm in a better place. So I'm just like, I'm okay with the way I am. And if I'm with someone that's not, it is what it is. Keep it pushing. So um, I just wish that some woman had that kind of confidence or reached that point in their life where it's just like, I have this confidence. I don't need to proceed and do that. But if you need to, you want to get plastic surgery and it makes you feel better about yourself, do what you do. It's your life, it's your money, you know, and it's whatever, whatever you come up with and whatever the results are and you're happy with it, then do what makes you happy. I just want to say one thing because I I like that point that you said about your mom just telling you be grateful for what you have. I think another issue is just like actually instilling more self-esteem and self-confidence in kids growing up because if you're actually promoting that about actually really appreciating who you are, how you look, and not worrying about what others people, what other people perceive of you, yeah. and it's about how you actually feel about yourself. Then I don't think you would even have to be having those discussions later on. I think a lot of times, self-esteem is a big problem, and a lot of times we're just too caught up on what society wants us to be or how we should be based on what we're seeing on TV, magazines, ads. So that's something when I do have my own family and I. I can't wait to like really instill like some solid, strong self-esteem in my kids. Like, cause I think that that's huge. 
just getting that in from an early age about just actually genuinely loving how you look, whether you're full-figured, slim, toned, whatever. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because also, um, just to tie it back to, um, Kendrick Lamar dropped a, um, a song and a beautiful video. It's for Humble. And in the, the video, um, primarily in the song, sorry, he did say that he was tired of Photoshop um, and show me something natural like an ass with stretch marks. Now, <laughs> um, some women were kind of upset about that. They were a little irate that he would make a comment about that in regards to showing a woman's natural physique and having stretch marks. And um, I think some women kind of thought it was a little bit misogynistic. Um, I was kind of bothered because I was just like, here is this black man who's a rapper who, tying it back to hip hop, who is promoting natural beauty and a woman in the video with stretch marks and instead of us saying like thank you it's like it's he's being critiqued for it and i just thought it was kind of like interesting i was like really like y'all getting mad because he's promoting that and then i think one person was like ah because the girl that he used she was light-skinned and i was like (laughs) i was like all right come on like at the end of the day like because in terms of the context of natural beauty, they was like it wasn't an example. But the girl who butt was out was dark skinned so it's like and she had stretch marks. And um, Kelly Rowland even showed her stretch marks on her butt on I believe on Instagram, you know, because she was feeling comfortable. And Hold confident. on, let me grab my phone. I'll be right Relax. Back. Okay, <laughs> Wait till after the podcast. Getting all happy over there, but um, I really commend him for doing that because, like I said before, when we tie back to hip hop and. You know, we talk about this context of beauty and stuff like that. That's not really promoted in these videos. And now we got him who's who's actually putting it out there. And now he's being criticized for it. So I'm just like, y'all rather him sit up here and talk about chicks who are getting plastic surgery and being pretentious and they're not even real being photoshopped. You want to promote that agenda. But now he's actually speaking about the flip side of it. And y'all want to critique it. So I was a little bothered by the women that were actually saying stuff. And I was just like, we kind of sometimes have to take a step back and really reflect and reevaluate what's going on in the context of songs like this and how he's promoting beauty politics. So I just thought I was kind of, kind of interesting. What is your take on it when you've seen the video? Oh, I thought the video was great. I love, like, the videography on it. it it's a lot of meaning in it, I feel. Yeah. But um, honestly, that's the, the part about just natural beauty and stretch yeah. marks. I was like, holy crap. Because... The girl was on one side, and that side was photoshopped. And then when she moved to the other side of the screen, like she had freckles, blemishes, and I'm like, that's normal. But I'm like, that was just like an extreme yeah. from one side to the other, and that kind of made me think, like, damn. When you're looking at people on these videos, like, oh, I want to look like that, I want my body to look that, like that. You don't really even know what's real anymore yeah. if you're looking at TV or just. Yeah. In general, you don't know what's real and what's fake anymore. Yeah. So that that kind of that that's something that came away from me. Um, that was a big takeaway for me. Just that scene where she just walked over. I was like, holy crap! Like, what did the, I? I, I feel I, like she looked more beautiful in her natural skin, like with the freckles and stuff like that, and supposed to be in Photoshop. Really. <laughs> she, I I thought it looked like two different people, honestly, at that point. It did not look like two different people. I feel like she looked better when she was just in her natural state and her freckles and her hair was out than opposed to being full. This is what I'm talking about. So you felt like she looked better at Photoshop. Um, All right. I wouldn't say I felt like she looked better, but to be honest, the difference was so extreme. I'm just just like, the difference was so extreme. I was actually questioning, did they Photoshop the part of her that was supposed to be natural to make it look a certain type of way. That's how I felt. No, I don't think it would have did that. Well, I we... felt like if that was the case, then the whole premise of that whole video, or that, that piece, that portion, and him even mentioning it would have been pointless. Hey. That's you asking me to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you a mess. All right, guys. We're going to switch gears um, and talk about um, The Quad. Um, I've been watching it. It premieres on BET. It's a new show. Um, basically the show is about a culture rich world of Georgia AME, which is also known as a HBCU, historically black college and university. 
So it's basically the day in the life of what it's like to attend a HBCU in terms of being a part of the band, um, going to classes, partaking in parties and everything of that sort. Um, Eva Fletcher, also played by Anika Rose, which I love her, by the way. Um, she's the president of the college. Her daughter, Sydney Fletcher, um, is played by Jazz Raycole, is her daughter on the show. And basically, Sydney is kind of a bit of a rebel, in a sense. Um, she didn't like the fact that she and her mom had to move from where they used to live at to, um, for her mom to start this new job. And they have a bit of a conflicting mother-daughter relationship, which is, you know, not a surprise. It happens. Um, so what happens is one night Sydney went to a party. She's known through the show to be a little bit promiscuous. And, um, so anyway, she went to the party and she was intoxicated. She was escorted out by a football player. His name is Terrence. He's played by Kevin Savage. They started kissing and then they end up in the bushes and, um, they end up having sex. According to the Wait, camera in footage, the bushes or behind the bushes? In the, it's like they fell in the bushes. That and they sounds was like, like it would sick. hurt. Well, you're thinking about it a little differently. They <laughs> fell on, like, grass, clearly. Okay. And it was just on bushes and just doing it. Okay. But they fell on grass. I'm glad you're visually thinking about the whole thing. Um, so they fell on the grass, and through the camera recording, it looks as if, of course, they're having sex. But her account of what happened is that she was raped, and he, he forced himself on top of her and inside of her. And he stated that it was consensual. It was consensual. Um, and they showed their different, like, take on what happened. And then he had escorted her back to her, her room and then she fell on the floor and then she said she needed help and then he had told a guy to just look out for her. In any event, um, one of the scenes that stuck out to me the most, aside from that, that was uh, traumatic, of course, um, was that there was a group of young there was a group of college students talking about this incident, right? Because everyone on the campus knew about it. And they were talking about it in terms of what is consent. And one of the students, which was a male, stated that because she was promiscuous, in fact, it, because she was promiscuous, she could not have been raped. Which is something that happens a lot. You know, females that wear a certain outfit, they act a certain way. If they're touched inappropriately or they, in fact, are raped, it's like, did you really get raped because of the way you carry yourself? You don't have a good girl imagery, which is another problem in our culture. So now we're on the topic of consent. And the reason why I bring this up, because I went out with a group of friends the other night and we were really talking about this scene and about this show. And what does it mean to give consent? Does consent have to be verbal? Um, Because sometimes it's not. It can be done through body language. And me and Pierre was talking about this and we was actually going back and forth about it. So I want to know what... Your take on consent is, Pierre, because you had a lot to say. Mm. Don't be shy now. Okay, so... I'm not going to make you look bad. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> nah. Um, so, my thing with consent, I feel like it's... It's... Uh, duh. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to put this the right way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. I don't, I don't want any like hate letters and emails coming in. Um, obviously if you're a man and a woman and you're, you're feeling you're getting romantic and you want to take it to that next level, there has to be some consent on both sides. But I just feel like in our society and day and age, I don't think that there really is ever a verbal, like, can you kiss me now? Can I kiss you now? Yes. Or can I put my hand on your genitalia? Yes or no? Or can I actually begin having sex now? Like, in my experience, those conversations never actually happen. And like you said, it's always been, like, something that is from body language and just being with each other, feeling out the situation, and just the situation just seems to escalate, escalate, and it gets to a point where sexual intercourse is happening. Or if the girl says, hey, I'm not comfortable at this point, then we can stop it there or just we're not going to go past whatever point we're at that she doesn't feel comfortable with. And I, the reason that just feels weird to me because I don't know, like, is it is it like a thing now that you have to ask, can we have sex? Or is are you okay if we have sex now? Like, because that's never, I've never asked that question. I don't know if people actually ask that or if people expect that nowadays. So... 
that's just where it just feels weird to me. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm glad that you elaborate on your personal experiences in terms of that. But that's why I had asked whether it could be verbal or body language. I do think when you're in certain instances, the body language is enough, which is one of what one of my friends has said during dinner. It's like, it's enough. It's sufficient where you don't really need to verbally say, hey, we can take it to the next level because it's kind of obvious as to how we're interacting with each other. Yeah. But um, I think it becomes very tricky in the aspect that depending on where it goes, it's like if you don't have a verbal consent of what's happening or like a verbal like, yes, if it does proceed and it does lead to sex, if the woman want to turn around and say, well, I never told you yes, then that could become, that's when it goes into the rape zone and that's where charges start happening. So I think in some aspects it could be a bit tricky because like, and it was another um, point my friend made that women have kind of the opportunity in some aspects to pull the rape card. And some of them, they just pull it to be vindictive. Not saying rape doesn't happen and it does and it's very prevalent. Um, And there are cases where it does happen and women are not taken seriously, which is very problematic. But then there are cases where women use it for their advantage and it really did not occur um but i think like what you say it doesn't always have to be verbal i don't think it always have to be verbal i think it's it's obvious through body language when you're with that person especially if you know each other yeah and it proceeds to go forward um but also i think if you want to if we want to use body language as the go-to i think also we need to be cognizant of the fact that even in through body language there may be a part where that person does not want to engage and move further and my thing is, if we're only relying on body language, if we're only saying, oh, we're going to rely on body language to move forward, what if at one point that person kind of just showed that they were apprehensive towards it? They probably weren't forceful or aggressive saying, I don't want it, but there was some key elements of what they did that showed that I really wasn't feeling to go forward. And then you proceed. Right. Is that not rape? Um, I think that's a gray area right there because... Oh, it's gray now? Yeah, okay. So if if I'm just asking for the viewers, honey, they want to know. <laughs> I'm just you know, I'm just asking for the viewers. I just like I, I that's a great point, but then if you guys continue and it escalates and you end up having sex, and then you're sitting there cuddling afterwards, talking about it, but then the next day it's like, well, I didn't feel very comfortable doing that. Like, at what point is there a responsibility on the female's part to say, hey, no, I'm not comfortable with this and actually speaking up and saying that? And just to make it clear, like, if I'm with a girl and we're just we're doing our thing or whatever, like, if I, at any point, I feel that she's uncomfortable, I'm going to just say, like, hey, are you good? Everything's all right? Because... Just me personally, I don't like doing anything that I feel that I'm the only one who's interested in doing it. I want to know or feel that there's we're both like engaged yeah. and we both want to be here. Like if I feel like you're just doing this for me, I'm like, well, I really don't need it that much, and I I can just stop and just be like, I'm good, no thanks. But there are instances where I mean, you you may have or not you per se, but like the example you use in partaking in a sexual activity with a woman, and then like. You know, you guys talking, cuddling afterwards, it's all good. And tomorrow, may have the time to think about it and realize I really didn't want to move forward. And I did. And I felt like there's some aspects I was pressured and kind of had the time to reflect on it without you, your presence intimidating her. And then from there, it probably escalates to her feeling like she was violated. Or I'm just saying, these cases, these situations happen. Right. So that's why I think verbal is important because at the end of the day, when you switch gears the next day, you're going to be like, well, you verbally told me yes. So, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to tell me yes now, we did it. It's one thing for... Because body language to me, I get it. Like, I do think that at times you could really do that with someone and it's enough. But then if someone pulls that card... It's like, well, they didn't they didn't say yes. They didn't say no. Being silent does not mean consent. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? So, so just because a woman don't say that doesn't mean that she was okay with having sex. All right, let's get out of this like whole like, <laughs> like whole world of just like I'm not saying this to you because you're looking at me like I'm crazy. No, 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 no. I'm just saying let's actually get on the court and get into reality with this. So, <laughs> so it's not in, reality? In, in, no, in, I'm saying let's use real life examples. So in your sex life, do you 
give consent to every guy that you have sex with like yes we can move forward with this or is it a, a situation where it's like the body language and the chemistry is dictating okay this is I'm moving forward here or have you ever been in the situation where you had sex with the guy you didn't actually say no I'm feeling uncomfortable but then after the fact after you got to reflect and his presence his presence wasn't his presence wasn't there affecting your decisions or how you felt like did you ever were you ever in that situation I personally have not been in that situation I've been in situations where I've been it's been consent verbally and then it's through body language I have not partaked in anything with someone that I felt as if um, I did not want to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I have not been in that situation where I could honestly say, oh, you know, I felt indifferent or this is a form of rape. I have not been through that. But I can understand if there's another woman that goes through that. Like, I could be sympathetic towards someone else. And I just feel like in the context of rape and how it's it's a very interesting dynamic. And um, there are cases where it's black and white. It's like, you were raped, you said no, it was forced, and continue, or you did not want it at all. And in some of those cases where they're not taken up seriously, even with all the evidence and rape kits, which are really sad, and mm-hmm. are they not something that we need to really work on? But then there are cases where there are gray areas, like you said. But that's why I said if there are going to be gray areas, at least you have to fall back on the consent in terms of it being verbal. That's my thing, to cover your ass, you know what I'm saying? Got but. It. There are cases where a woman may feel like I did not fully want to engage in this. And then the next day it was like, okay, well, this happened. And, you know, maybe they were not influenced by your presence or anything of that sort. Not something that you necessarily went through, but it could have happened. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we negate those stories or those um, situations because they're in a gray area. They yeah. could be gray, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. All right. I'm about to just draft up like a sex contract. I'm making like copies and I need because now you're getting me nervous. Seriously, like, <laughs> I feel kidding. like I don't even want to have sex with anyone unless I get a signed signature and a blood sample confirming that it's you because that's actually scary. <laughs> to think about that i'm not i'm not trying to scare you and i'm not trying to scare any guys that's listening but reality this is our reality and there are women who may say pull the rape card to be vindictive there may be somebody you engage with sexually and it was all verbal and then everything was all good when y'all was cuddling next day come to find out you had another shorty and she realized that. And she's like, you know, actually, I didn't say yes. And she speaks to her friends like, I didn't verbally. Did you? you girl, you ain't say yes? Did you? I didn't. Did you, you sign the contract? You was right. You didn't sign it? You was right. Okay. Let's go to the police. Let's go to the police department. Let's fill out this report. That's what I'm saying. Like, there are cases where those situations may happen. And to me, it's. First and foremost, I want to say, like, it bothers me when females that were not raped try to utilize it to be vindictive. There are some of them that do. I'm not saying it's a large percentage, but there are some females that do. And I think it's sad because it overshadows the ones that are actually have experienced it. And those cases are not taken seriously. And I think that's why we live in this culture where if a female is violated a certain way, whether she promiscuous or not, or the way she carries herself, it's not taken up seriously because then you may have that small percentage of women that may take it and run with it and take advantage of it. So I do want to speak highly about that. And also to tie it back to the um the group discussion with the college students about the guy saying that she was promiscuous so technically was a rape. That's something that's very common in our culture. Yeah. We have this tendency to think that just because a woman dressed a certain type of way, she's deserving of the behavior that happens to her. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to discuss is what Amber Rose said on her show. Um, she was like, you know, I may carry myself a certain type of way, but their females will come to her and touch her. And it's something that's unwanting touching, you know, because she's voluptuous. She's, she's gorgeous. But people may think that she's not affected by it, but it's, it is because, like, I didn't want you to touch me like that. And we may think, oh, the way she carries herself, she has tats, she talks about sex, this and that and the third, she's beautiful, she's sexy, she wants that. We have to kind of move away from that because I think it's problematic when it's just like, a woman could be promiscuous and may dress in short skirts and may in fact be a virgin. Does that give you the right to touch her and touch her inappropriately or think because y'all fell in some bushes she wanted sex? You know, so that's something that we also need to talk about too in our culture in terms of how certain presentation or image or representation may cause unwanting attention that we do not want. And it kind of belittle women like that in a certain way. It's like, if you're not a good girl, you're not walking around looking like a nun, you can't expect anybody to have respect for you. 
Good point. What about the flip side? What? For men getting raped. How do you feel about that? You mean if I guess it's something like that? No, no, no. I mean, for like a woman. I mean, those cases happen. I, if where, I, men, where men are raped, they're not... I mean, when you compare it to women, it's not on a, like a large scale. Right. It's, it's very like small. But if you want to tap into that little population, sure. Oh, the little um, population. I'm not saying no. I didn't mean it like that. I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just, I'm just keeping it a hundred. But th- those cases do happen where men are raped. I'm not saying that we should belittle those instances. But I, I guess I have to question: Did they verbally said yes? Was it, was it body language? I just want to know. I guess, I guess. Did they sign a contract? I guess. Let's. I guess the contract wasn't signed. wait so this is the question like let's say two people are just drunk just wasted and then they end up having sex together and they don't really remember what happened that night all they know is they woke up and they're in the bed together is that rape if you both really don't remember much of what happened the night before but you do know that you ended up having sex. You were completely intoxicated. Like that's a tricky one. That's a trick because it's like I question if both parties were actually intoxicated. Who at some point was in control? Somebody had to be in control to be having sex mm. at some point. Mm. So I, I question that. I that one is I could say that's a gray area. That one I could call, but I don't know because just because you both were intoxicated, there may be different levels of you being intoxicated. You know what I'm saying? One may be more drunk than the other. Yeah. So, and at the same time, you're in a state where you can't even think rationally. So you're engaging in an act that you probably wouldn't have engaged in if you were sober. So that could, in in defense, if a woman want to pull that card and be like, yeah, I was raped because I did not really know what I was doing and I was being taken advantage of. I could see how that worked. Or the flip side, if it's a guy. Um, but that's a very, it's a very valid question. I'm glad you asked it, but I don't know. When does responsibility come in in terms of not getting yourself to the point where you're making irrational decisions? I guess get drunk and go home by yourself. Because, like, I don't, I mean, you know, things happen when you may, you get intoxicated. But on a serious tip, things happen when you get intoxicated. And those incidents may happen. I can't really speak to that because that's very interesting. Especially if you both are, especially if you both are equally wasted. And y'all both don't remember but if you don't remember how you know you even had sex, just because you woke up naked don't mean you had sex. Mm, got so it. it could be tricky. I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm not. What do you think about it? Because your mind is going off. So I have a friend Ciao. who went through a situation where he was out, he was partying, he was having a good time, and then he ended up getting really drunk, not remembering what happened much of the night before. But he does know that he woke up, not woke up, he went from being out partying to being in his bed having sex. And he woke up having, like, he just. That's like he said, that's what he remembered. He remembered leaving the party, and then next thing, flash forward, he was in the middle of having sex. And. I don't, I'm not going to get into too many details. You already did. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, well, might as well you continue. But basically, he all he said was that he, he knew he was just wasted at that time. And he was basically being kind of like in control. Like he was being controlled of like being told what to do. And you give me that look. But I'm just... No, I'm I, just... I'm I, listening to this story because it's very interesting. But basically... End of the story is, he had sex with the girl. She pretty much was in control because she was more sober and he was just wasted. So when he was raped. I'm asking, like, what is that like? You asking me? You asking him? I'm asking because I wasn't there. So was he raped? Did he say he was raped? Did he verbally tell you that? No, but I'm saying if the situation was opposite, would it be considered rape? I think whether it's opposite or not, it's it's considered rape if she was more. If she, let's focus on with his thing, like. She was more in control. She was sober. He wasn't. So, and if he didn't verbally consent to that, he didn't sign a contract, Mm -hmm. then I would say that he was raped in that instance. I'm not sure what his take on it is. Got it. But I would say that he was raped. And if it was a flip side and it was vice versa, she was raped, if that was the case. So. I just, I just feel like this is opening up so many cans of worms. Because let's say. 
this is why consent is important. Like this yeah. is, I mean, it's a very blurry line, yeah. but it's what's happening in our culture and our society. And it's something that needs to be discussed because it's not so black and white. There yeah. are gray areas and there are instances where people may be taken advantage of and they don't really want to speak on it. Yeah. So I guess what I'm taking away from this, get it in writing and get that verbal consent. Just CYA, cover your ass. <laughs> He's so extra. You are so extra right now. All right. So I, let's switch gears. I kind of want to talk about like dating versus relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, especially being millennials and it's like, kind of like we were talking about a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of casual sex going on amongst people in our age group. And I feel like personally, it has a lot to do with instant gratification Mm -hmm. the growing social media and just to like get more specific in terms of instant gratification you don't you literally don't have to go anywhere to get food you can literally be on your couch order seamless and then walk like few steps to the door to pick up your food you can instantly get approved for a credit card on your phone yeah you can watch stream any movie you want gather information so we're just so used to in this age that we're living in now of just getting things instantly i feel like it's that's it's actually affecting how people go about relationships now like why do i need to get into a relationship with a girl and start going on multiple dates when i could just go on tinder and just meet someone chat casually and then meet to hook up well tenders are another level because if you swipe what left and that's i heard it's like a booty call app type joint <laughs> i'm not gonna we're not gonna get into that because i don't have the app i'm not sure if you do and i don't want to know if you do um teasing i think the culture of dating has changed within our generation i mean it's like a it's weird because it's a percentage of people who married on a first, second, third child. Like, bro, you got three. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so you have that demographic in our in our generation. So there's people who are already doing the traditional thing, which is good. Good for you guys. Um, commend you. And then there are people who are just casually dating. There are people who are actually in relationships, and it may not go anywhere. It may it may actually go someplace. And then there is a significant amount of us that are just casually dating that are just you know what i think what's popular is friends and benefits and it's like runs it runs its course um don't give me that look um but it runs its course and i think that um i don't know i feel like i always say it like this i feel like relationships within our generation is it's much more complicated than it has to be it's like we gotta overthink do i want to be with you and and a lot of us, like in our mid twenties, going our late twenties, think that because you're in a relationship with somebody, it's gonna lead to marriage. It may not. Like, if I like you and you like me, and you like to be in my company, and vice versa, and we have a great time around each other, we have great dialogue. Um, I don't see why we can't take dialogue. it to the next. Why we can't take it to the next level? Why does it have to be nah, chill? Let's just see what happens. Like. It's like, how many nacho, let's see what happened moments are we going to have? And then it leads to casual sex. And then you realize that you're in a situation that's a relationship, but it's not a relationship because it doesn't have a title. So technically, y'all both are free to kind of talk to and do whatever with whoever. But you know that there's something going on here that's more than just, you know, a simple conversation. So I think the dynamics of relationship in our generation has changed. And, I, and I'm just like, why is it so complicated? It's like people have to like, literally do friends and benefits for like a year to decide if they want to be in a relationship. By that time, you just realize it probably ain't going to be it. Like, or you may move on to somebody else. Or there may be somebody who will do a friends and benefits with you for like a several months at a time. I don't really want a relationship. Y'all stop messing around a month later. He in a relationship with a girl. <laughs> and it's like, I think you didn't want a relationship. That's so, not with you. <laughs> just not with you. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I just feel like it's complicated. And now with the whole social media, you know, if somebody posts, a significant other on a gram it's like it's serious it's deep and then what gets me on top of that too you notice that people who post they significant and they hide their faces i'm like what is going on like is either you with him or her or you're not like why are you hiding his eyeballs and his nose and his whole face or her face like nobody cares so i don't know i think the dating thing in our generation has changed and 
I feel like we're much more falling in line with friends and benefits. And then even out of those situations, people are having babies. And it's like, you know, like at what point, you know, do we, we kind of add substance to a relationship and say, let's take it to the next level. And I feel like a lot of us are scared to because we think that it's going to lead to marriage. It may not, you could be with somebody three, four years and it may not lead to that. And that's fine. I'm big on relationships. Is it though? What? Is it fine? Could you be in a relationship with someone for three, four, five years at this oh, point so in your you life? So now you want to get fancy? No. Continue, continue, continue. Is it, is it acceptable for you at this point in your life to be in a relationship with someone for three, let's say three to six years, and they never mention marriage? Everything's going perfectly fine, but I'm just wondering for you, is that like marriage itch going to start like going I think three years, if we're together for three years, I'll be fine. Actually, three is my favorite number, so good job. Um, But real talk, I want to get married eventually, but I don't want to pressure a guy into marrying me. I want it to happen. But I think three to four years is fine, us growing and getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. I'm not completely, like, extra, not extra, I'm not, like, overly traditional yeah i would like if we're going to be together that long hey we could probably grow into a relationship move in together get to build and see what happens on a six-year mark probably a little concerned you know like you know we've been together for a while what's going on but i don't know i'm still trying to figure that out and i'm glad you asked that because um and i know you was itching to ask that too i see that little look in your face (laughs) but um the thing is i'm not pressed because like i said i want a guy to want to marry me without me pressuring him um but at the same time, I don't want to be completely comfortable where it's like I'm not worthy to be married to. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily think a paper signifies my love for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the whole prenup and divorce, like if it leads to that or whatever the case may be. I kind of want to be on my Oprah and Stedman tip. You know, shout out to Oprah. But um, I don't know. Shout I'm out still, to Stedman. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. Like, I do want to get married eventually. I just don't want it to be pressured. But if we're in something good and it's working and we're both content, I'll be fine with that. What about you? You don't seem like the married type. Um. So in terms of getting married, am I wrong? I I I probably will eventually get married. Like, what? real life. What do you mean? Like you will actually see yourself getting married? I just can't see that with you. Whoa! What about me? Makes no shade. You... I'm just keeping it a hundred. What about me? Makes you, you have this. I want to be a bachelor forever till I'm like sixty years old, like George Clooney kind of status. I could see you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and you laugh as I know it's true. <laughs> nah, um, I'm teasing. I think when it comes to like any relationship, it's like just a feeling process. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not ready to like if I'm with someone, I'm not gonna rush to get married just because that's what that person thinks we need to do. Because honestly, I look at marriage as like a contract. That's where I see it. Oh, that's that's how you see. It. Yes, like. And at what point did you start to view it as that? I guess a few years ago, because I've seen that just the legality of marriage. Like you can be in love with somebody, and then things you get married, things don't work out, and then now it's like the worst thing in the world that you have to go through: divorce. Lawyers are getting paid. But not every divorce is bad. Some divorces are really subtle and nice. You know people who've gone through subtle and nice divorces? I don't know them per se, but you know... I didn't even know those, that was a, a thing. There's subtle. people that go through divorce and it's not like crazy. Like for Probably instance, real, real life of Real Housewife of Atlanta, Cynthia and Peter got a divorce. It wasn't nothing catastrophic. It was very simple. And it was, you know what I'm saying? So it doesn't have to be all of that. But, when you, but the thing is, what I'm getting from what you're saying is that when you think of marriage, you think of the end. That is going to lead to divorce. What makes you think that it's not going to last? Oh, no. I don't think it's going to lead to divorce. I just go by the numbers that more than half of marriages end up in divorce. And that's just that's just what it is. If that I doesn't get, mean that's going to be you. Oh, I know that. The statistics are nothing to... Uh, statistics are nothing to the individual. Yeah. But at the end of the day... I can't help but see that and realize that. That's why I always told myself, if I'm going to be with somebody, <laughs> before we talk about marriage, we have to move in together and live together. Because you never, yeah, you never you know. know. Exactly. They clean and you, that's a problem, honey. If they don't use Clorox, like stuff like that. Exactly. It's important. It's priority. Like, 
So marriage is a very touchy. But can you take away from the legality of it? Like you looking at it as a contract. I mean, I get it. You know, I guess you you kind of being a realist in some aspects. But when you take that out of it, how how else do you view marriage? Um, a commitment. Okay. Keep going. Sound like you on the right path. Go ahead. Commitment to love, and just to each other. But listen, I feel like if I get married. When I get married, if I get married, whatever. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm constantly changing, so I don't know. But I I feel like if I went into a marriage and then God forbid we got a divorce, I don't wanna take anything that wasn't mine just because of the contract. So I've actually thought about like when I when I get married I wanna have a prenup and I want it to be clear, like we go into this with what we have and if, but I feel like you're going into it thinking of the worst you're not even going into it being like I'm married I'm with this person it's a commitment I'm like, like you're focusing a lot on the legality I get that aspect but if that's the only way you view marriage then of course it's going to be doomed because you're walking in thinking negative that is true and you can, and you, you, can apply, you can apply the same concept to what you said with the consent and rape I'm going into it with the positive attitude oh I thought everything was going good we were just vibing, the body language was there, and then the next day, there was a change of thought, and... Well, that was a two different time. You stretching it now. Be, okay, maybe, maybe. You reaching with But that. at the end of the day, it's like you said, go for the verbal consent just to see why it cover your ass at the end of the day. I think the prenup, you go, and that's the same, the same thing. You go into it hoping for the best, planning for the worst. I don't view marriage that way, but and, I, and I understand what you're coming It's easier from. for you being the woman because at the end of the day, you're probably gonna come out on top when it not comes necessarily. to that. And I was actually having not a, necessarily. I was actually having an argument with my friend about that because I'm like, if I ended up getting married, having kids, and then for some reason it didn't work out with me and the mom. Like, I would be pissed. Oh, so you're going to have kids with her. Okay, good. I'm glad he took levels to it. So you're going to get married and have kids and yes. stuff like that. Okay. I can't wait to have but kids. But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean wait, that wait, it wait, works wait. in a... I would be pissed if the court system would automatically side with the mom to take care and raise the kids. Because I feel like I'd raise the kids better than whoever the mom is. Well, if it leads to that point, then, you know what I'm saying, my, my response to that is to lawyer up. <laughs> and also, like, that doesn't always happen where they rule in favor of the mom. So you can't really say that. I just thinking, I wish for you moving forward mm-hmm. before we end off our show, just look at marriage as not having an ending and more so look at it more positively and taking out the legality portion of it and really going into it and being more open and more... You know, thinking that it's going to move forward and it's going to be something great. I don't necessarily look at it in terms of legal aspects and the statistics. Because the the statistics are going to be there. If it leads to divorce, that's going to happen. But I wouldn't want to walk into something thinking that. And I think by you doing that, which is odd because you're so positive and you, like, are encouraging in so many ways, for you to be thinking that is a little interesting. I I think you need to tease that out some more. I heard, like, there's this guy. His name is Dante Nero. And he has, like, this um, theory about marriage. His theory is that you should have marriage like sports contracts. You go in for, like, a five-year contract, and then in the fourth year, you get to reevaluate and decide if you guys are going to actually move forward in the marriage or end it amicably. And It's a joke, and I can't see that ever actually coming to... with you. I think that's crazy, because, honestly, if that was the case, people would shape up guy and woman and make sure they're on their P's and Q's to keep each other happy in in a good relationship. But when you're in that marriage and things start to get rocky, to be honest, as a male, I, I can get scared sometimes about if things ended up turning for the worse, yeah. I could get, I could literally be screwed out of things. And I understand. So, yeah. Just, I would just say to have a different outlook on it. Just to be a bit more positive. Okay. What, I, yeah, okay. Got it. Positivity. <laughs> Positivity. We gonna talk about it next episode. Um, but, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. It's, it means so much that you guys are following us, tuning in with us, because you could be anywhere doing anything at this time, but you're here with us. So please follow us on Instagram. 
underscore unapologetically underscore different and also follow us on twitter at unapologetic two underscores d and you can also send us an email at unapologetically different at gmail.com stay tuned for our next episode bye